What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease you know you've got a comeback in you when you take the next step you're going to make it count for your career for your family for your life you can earn a degree you're proud of with purdue global purdue global is backed by purdue university one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities this is your chance this is your opportunity this is your comeback Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's 12.22 a.m. in the Vanderbilt palatial mansion in old New York. And you're listening to Night Call. Everybody and welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm Molly Lambert, and here with me in Los Angeles is Tess Lynch. And over in New York, we have Emily Oshida. Old New York. Old New York. Oldie New Yorkie. Old New York, as opposed to uh, Neo Tokyo or Tokyo 3. Or <laughs> We were in the middle of an argument that I feel like we should just like organically let continue because Molly made us watch an American Experience documentary on PBS, like a goddamn social studies teacher in sixth grade. <laughs> and uh, we uh, are, are now debating the, the value of set assignment. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, I was dreading watching. I can't express why I was like, Molly was like, we have to watch 
this PBS documentary from 2018 narrated by Oliver Black. <laughs> I can't keep it together enough. On the Gilded Age. And Emily and I, I think, asked why. And Molly didn't really provide an answer, but because insisted I, that we had to do it. Because I thought it was interesting. She thought it was interesting. She had been tweeting about it. I like all the PBS American Experience documentaries. I think they're the best documentary series. There's one about Walt Disney and how he they're built good. the Disney company. Uh-huh. They're very good. Some might they're- say... A little sleepy. A lot sleepy. Well, I mean, it is that form. It is that, like, uh, you know, silent era footage of New York City with sound effects put on of clip clop, clip clop. Oh, clippers here, so much of that. (laughs) And he went where he could gallop. And Carnegie was galloping his horse along the river. And it's yes. like 45 minutes it, of galloping did horses. Did it please you how they said his name Carnegie? Carnegie. Every but time. But then the historians, the talking heads said Carnegie. No, they also said Carnegie. No, they did not because I was like, I am not going to go on the podcast and say Carnegie okay, if everyone's here's saying Carnegie. What, here's are you what negging I their pronunciation I'm negging. of Carnegie? You guys <laughs> are coming down so hard on the Gilded Age documentary. Listen, I, I do not argue with the premise that... We which I think was your intention in having us watch this documentary, that we are living in the new Gilded Age uh, or a new Gilded Age. That is very apparent. I think like, you know, we I talked a little while ago about going to Hudson Yards and just the, the boom in yes. ultra luxury construction for not even the 1%, like the 0.001% that's in New York City. I think New York City, you you tend to see that on the street. Uh, and also, you're like walking in, in streets and by buildings that were built during the original Gilded Age. So you have that el- added element of history that you're kind of just like taking in all the time, just ambiently. So I don't disagree. Like, I, th- I think I think it's important to think about these parallels. Um I and and well, American experience, they sure do convey information. <laughs> if, if anything, they're good at conveying information on an American experience documentary. But, I think this yeah. also came out of that I was tweeting about uh, how I recorded a drunk history that didn't go to air because I was so interested in the boring ins and outs of details of the history itself. What was the drunk history that you did? It was uh, Tammany Hall and Boss Boss Tweed. Tell them what you drank. Uh, Nicki Minaj's Moscato. Oh, my God. And And so you, like, vomited after. Oh, wait. That wasn't the end of what Molly drank, Everybody was like, why are you doing drunk history like you don't drink? That was a response I got from everybody I told I was doing it. I was like, good good call. I guess we'll see. And then I, like, tried to drink train a little bit, like, leading up to it. Yeah. By having, like, a beer at night. Mm-hmm. See, because I don't usually drink very much. Just, uh, yeah. it is not. I'm it's weird. not for you. Yeah, yeah, it's not for me. But, uh, yeah, so I didn't know that Moscato didn't have, like, any alcohol in it, so... But you drank mostly that. I and drank then, the whole but it's bottle. So sugary. Yeah, I drank the bottle of Moscato, and then I drank like a like a tumbler of whiskey. Yeah, tumbler, and of then whiskey. and then a tequila shot. Am I wrong? <sighs> Maybe. And then I was That's just n- like, now I have to just not throw up on myself. But I learned something about myself, which is like. My desire to be on television was not as great as my desire to not throw up on myself on television, right. you know, because I was like, I don't want to be that person in the commercial reel that's just vomiting. I think that is the real difficulty of doing drunk history. I Tess love doing is drunk, great history. At drunk history. It's Tess my is a favorite pro. thing. Thank you. Tess. I love it. I love to do it, but it's, but I have never not been afraid of throwing up. But I, I also, 
you know, the first time I did it, I was a little bit more devil may care in my drinking. <laughs> and then in subsequent uh, turns, I was like, OK, I know what I can drink and the my limits. And they have, you know, medical staff there, which is oh nice. Do you also like the sort of Lisa Simpsoniness of like being given a history lesson that you have to learn? Oh, I love it. Okay, I, that's so why I love it so much. Bring that to the Gilded Age. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my thing about the Gilded Age. So, I I will just say right off the bat, I tried three different times to finish this documentary okay. and failed. But, but I did get pretty deep into it. But I like how none of us got to the part where then they figure out how to fight back and like it becomes the progressive era. Right. <laughs> I, mean, well, I got I, I got yeah. through Henry George running for what? Henry George. Or what something? a cool yeah. guy. Yeah. Henry George is cool. Tell, sure. tell me who doesn't know. Okay. Well, the thing I liked about this Gilded Age documentary was it was like the beginning clip, of a clip clop. The clip, clop, clip, I also like the clip clop. I believe just that it was like about the the industrial age being the beginning of like the partnership between uh, politics and industry, right? Of like businesses buying off politicians, and it's like, oh, this is something that like the history of it isn't even that old, mm-hmm. actually, you know. Mm-hmm. And like people already got super mad about it once, yeah, and forced it to be reformed. Um, but it just seemed so much like tech tech stuff. It was so much like there's yeah. a lot, yeah, definitely. some idiot like you know put his money in in old timey Bitcoin and like became a billionaire, and then everybody else put their money in old timey Bitcoin and went broke, and they were like, oh, you must not have wanted it badly enough, right? Right. I mean, I think I think there are a couple in- interesting things that I remember from the first part of it, which was like going into Andrew Carnegie's origin. And how he really did come from nothing in Scotland, was poor and, you know, just had a, you know, good business acumen and noticed that people were going to be needing steel a lot in the next century. And so got into that business, which is like fine and was literally a self-made man. But the degree to which that became the story that everybody else wanted to tell about themselves, regardless of whether or not that was their actual story. I think that created this like kind of toxic or myth yes. of like American capitalism. Yes. Yeah. It's like the toxic individualism, which is like each person is a business that will like learn to succeed and it's right. to stop you from. If you don't succeed, it's just that you didn't have the will. Right. Right. It's... Well, and also like I think the other interesting thing that was noted by somebody on there is that this is a time when the 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 ratio of people who were employees like people who just depended on other people for an income became so huge like you know per capita mm-hmm. um in a way that had never been before and we just kind of take for granted now that that's how everybody like everybody's an employee mostly um unless they're a freelancer but uh, <laughs> i really liked that uh, article it was the article from the all that somebody put in my timeline about pixar movies being in a, a theory of labor about pixar movies oh i saw that i mean the oh. all it's it's interesting how often it made me miss the all this year i feel like i've come across um so many things from the all that have been yeah. so timely. I miss the all more than any other website. But yeah, it was kind of about like how Pixar movies are all about like getting a job, keeping that job. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, and you how- hate Pixar movies, right? Yeah, your job is your identity. Uh, yeah. And in the case of a Brad Bird movie, uh, uh, you- you're the best <laughs> and, and nobody else can do it. And you can if do it. If you're the best, and then, you then you deserve the- everything. <laughs> You become the the Uber rat. Yeah. 
Yeah. The Uber rat uh, who stirs the soup. Um, while we're on the subject of animation, I'm going to let you guys free of the Gilded Age. You are free. That was we're so not cool. free of the Gilded Age is the you thing, You acted though. like you had more to say. I, well, can I we're just, not free of... Yeah, but... I'm going to loop back just really quickly to say that I found an article refuting that we can say that we are uniquely in a second Gilded Age. It was on Fox. Um, but they, you know, the... Oh, I thought you said kind Fox. Of, no, Vox. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, No, please. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Uh, but people have been calling the current time. Did the Vox Gilded recognize Age. their union? Oh God, please! <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, that's the other. Maybe that's why they're like, it's yeah. not a Gilded Age. Everything's fine. Everything's Just know fine. They did. They did recognize the union. Good. Woo-hoo! Good on them. Yay. Yeah. Now Buzzfeed. <laughs> yeah, Buzz. Oh my yeah. God, I've no been Buzzfeed's the nightmare. I think it yeah. is funny to be like. I feel like we've all done jokes about being like coal miners and steel workers, but it yes. is like we but are look, the steel workers in what about the mills I'm of content. I'm looking at my my printed out notes, but the the junk bonds of the 80s, the internet bubbles of the 90s, the collateralized debt obligation oddies to the top one percent. 2010s. It's like it. There is. Oh, like, we've I think always we've been always in been in the oh, Gilded that Age. That makes sense. That's, yeah. You can't say that like right now we're you we're more uniquely in a Gilded Age. Yeah, I think the stratification the of wealth age. is the one thing that's. There's always been some kind of bubble going on in any given decade. Something that is gilded in either economically or culturally or something else. But I think, I think that the thing that makes now feel particularly uh, analogous to the Gilded Age is the. Well, the disparity in in, yeah. in wealth, like the extremes, like we're not talking about mere there's billionaires no, anymore. There's no middle class. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I agree that maybe the idea that like, I just, I felt like a lot of the American ideals are established in the Gilded Age that uh, are all bad things we should stop doing. I totally, I, no disagreement there. But I mean, I also think of like American Psycho and Bonfire of the Vanities, like New York in the 80s as being like prime the worst. Gilded Age <laughs> 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, let's the watch worst. Wall Street, which I've never seen. Oh, done. <laughs> done and done. Uh, okay, now I'll, now we can let go of this. Well, on the subject of animation, I yes. just wanted to briefly do a Emily's anime podcast Mini podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, I have bad news for everybody, which is that I haven't act. Well, I watched 15 minutes of the new Netflix um, HD remaster of Neon Genesis Evangelion, which came out on Friday the 21st of June. I was excited to, I was already in the middle of a rewatch of it. So I was like, oh, I'll just continue watching it on Netflix, which is I love easier that. <laughs> than uh, like fill in the blank crappy illegal anime stream site that I have been using. Uh, but then I started to see just some rumblings online from people who I guess like bravely forged through and binged it within 24 hours of it being on Netflix because this was all happening like that Friday. Um, just about some of the stuff that they did to the storyline and some of the characters and some of the like, questionable retranslations because it was so they did a new dub, which is fine. I don't care. I don't watch the dub. I know that like people like the original dub of of um, Neon Genesis Evangelion and I am not one of those people who have really watched it all the way. I mean, I've watched a little bit. of It's fine. I really love the voice actors in the Japanese one. So I prefer that. <laughs> uh so people didn't like the new dub. Uh, that didn't affect me. I wasn't going to watch it anyway. But then I think a lot of this translation, um, I think there are parts where they did try to make it more natural, but then there are parts where they like, I don't know, 
tried to eliminate some gay subtext with some characters and other little things that seemed sort of unnecessary and weird and questionable. So I was just like, ah, I'm just going to keep watching it on my shitty streaming site. So um, that is. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, but then I said that I tweeted that and then like. People were DMing me like, send me the link. Like, what are you watching? <laughs> so, um, but I'm always happy to, to introduce people to that show because it's, uh, it's, again, it's like the Gilded Age. It's something that makes you think a lot about now uh, and get real depressed. So, yeah. All uh, right. I saw one tweet that. I really liked that was somebody doing a joke about Hank Hill from King of the Hill pronouncing Neon Genesis Evangelion just like <laughs> over and over again. Nice. <laughs> well, also the other main like imprint it made on on American culture was in the movie One Hour Photo with Robin Williams where he like stops some kid in the toy aisle who's buying an Evangelion like action figure. Um, and says, oh, wow, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow. <laughs> uh, I remember that because that movie is awesome. You guys have both seen One Hour Photo? <laughs> Are you I kidding? saw it in theaters. Oh, my I God. I saw it Are in theaters. Kidding? I have seen it twice since. What? It's I don't really, think I would ever watch it again. But It is a very disturbing movie. So, of course, <laughs> well, I had to watch Mark it Romanek, three times. right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also, like, Scary Robin Williams. Just Scary Robin, Robin Williams is Williams. the scariest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I force other people to watch that movie and then I'm always kind of shamed for it. But I, I feel it's a very, it's an intense movie. Got to see the intense movies. Speaking of which, Molly and I will be seeing an intense movie this Woo. evening to report on next week, midsummer. Yeehaw. I'm so excited. Um, it's so good. Yeehaw. <laughs> As the Swedes say. Yeehaw. <laughs> um <laughs> The bone spikes, guys, that we talked about last week. Yes, bone spikes, update. Important update. So in the days following the initial reporting on the spikes that were growing at the back of our skulls because we look at our phones too much, that was reported, we cited the BBC article, I think. The New York Times and others, I think, including Gizmodo, uh, interviewed some people, some doctors, who cast some doubt on the original study. Um, When the New York Times weighed in, they said that the they interviewed a doctor who said that his issues with the study were that um, the people who had the bone spikes who were being kind of studied were already complaining of neck pain. There was no control group. It wasn't like they were contrasting people who were using their phones a lot to people who weren't. It was like a totally is not a yeah. scientifically sound study. And also the way that it was framed as like we're growing scary spikes on our heads is not really what's going on. You so, guys are so chill about this. I'm chill about it now. I like, it, you know, initially I was like, well, so what? Now we're getting, you know, our bodies are adapting for. But also they've to been adapting stable. to anything we've ever done as humans where we're. Uh, looking down, some... like if we're doing needlepoint, we're probably yeah, exactly. It. You know, like that. that Reading was a book. You guys are like, oh, it's a it's a knitter's hump. It's fine. No, it's well, not yeah, fine. No. Mm, I mean, before that, it would have been like a, a wheat 
What is thrashing? Uh, Those yeah, are thrashing. all better ways to get a neck spike. <laughs> Why? Than looking at your phone. You're just it's, looking down. It's a looking down. It's spike. not your like it's coming down. at you from like. It's not like you're getting. It's not like it's growing because of like radiation from your phone or something. Like brain cancer from your phone is a more of a concern, I would say, than the bones. Well, there's your a phone. lot yes. of things about that at the UFO conference. That oh, we'll get really? To later. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about that. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, yeah, Liz Lopato, my former co-host at Verge ESP, who's the science editor at The Verge, she was tweeting about this also, just like, you know, this, this is not a new phenomenon. This is like a thing that people have known about, except now they can also correlate it to phone use, supposedly. But also, as you say, like, the study was not the most thorough thing in the world. This is also the thing. This is what I was talking about with live science. Like, and I guess it's sort of ironic that the sources this time are like the BBC and... Uh, and Washington Post and stuff like that, like the people who reported on it. But but looking at a study and not being able to look at it critically, not saying that I could, I'm not that kind of reporter, but a lot of people don't when they report these freaky sounding studies. That's why live science is the only outlet we trust here at Night Call. Hey, speaking of live science, you guys, we got a really good live science tidbit which is the sea worm with butt eyes. Yes. So our favorite factually sound website, Live Science, reported on a new species of sea worm discovered off the coast of Scotland this month, and it has eyes on its butt. Its name is the Amphorite Oculus. Give me a minute. Oculus serrata. <laughs> Oculus serrata. It's about as wide as a pencil eraser. It has tentacles by its mouth, as many sea worms do. But unlike other sea worms, it has eyes on its butt. <laughs> I think, like, the, the, the worm ever wears a shirt that's like, my eyes are down here. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Nice. Nice one. It's very uh, um, transparent yeah. looking also. Yeah, it's cute. It's, I don't know if cute's the word I would use. Well, it's also like what... It's interesting. I was going to say <laughs> what qualifies a butt, but then I thought about it for like one second. You know what I qualifies don't. a butt. <laughs> you know what a butt is. <laughs> no. The things that worm has seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should take a night call because we've had one for a couple weeks that so we wanted to be able to spend some time talking about. So let's Yay. bring it up. So I've heard that uh, some scientists have made mechanical and digital, basically probability machines that measure just the randomness generated in an area. And I've found that in uh, certain areas, the uh, probability actually changes. Um, things become less random. So I listened to a podcast once that uh, talked about how the on a wavelength function, the possibility of something quantum tunneling can be pretty much measured. And it isn't just on the micro scale or quantum scale, but theoretically scales up to the macro scale, human-sized. So I've always had a, uh, a conspiracy theory related to the disappearances that they've seen at uh, national parks. I always wondered if there was uh, some possibility that the probability of randomness in these public, these parks are uh, a little bit more possible. And as a result, people are accidentally quantum tunneling into parallel universes or, you know, just 100 feet underground. Given that there's a possibility for it, it's a non-zero sum, that means 
theoretically it can happen. Not super likely, but non a non-zero amount. So I just want to see what you guys thought about that. Look forward to hearing more from your podcast. Thank you. Let's just call it Quantum Leap. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that call. Uh, really gave us something to think about and do our own research on. Um, I did not know about these disappearances, but there have been something like 1,100 in... Oh, let me look at... I had the... There's an article at um, Vice from 2017 that cites the Outside Magazine oh, okay. number as 1,600. Yeah, 1,600 within the history of the parks. It, it's complicated, but yeah. there have been, let's say, like over a 1,000 disappearances on national park lands, but it becomes more complicated because there is a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. uh, f- who is collecting some data that is then being used. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that his, is it David Paulides? Yes, yeah. it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I had no idea about this. Um, I, I think that there was a, uh, there's a How Stuff Works article about this. Um but the the quantum the quantum randomness thing is interesting. I mean, I don't know that much about like how quantum <laughs> randomness works, but it I would I would think it would be sort of interesting to think about that being more likely in a place like a a national park that's been preserved that you know where there's not as much human activity. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I like about this theory. First yeah. of all, I don't believe in it. (laughs) Sure. I want to say that. Yes. I don't believe in it. I think people disappear in national parks because they're so big. Uh, People disappear in Angeles Forest near me all the time because Mm -hmm. it's giant. I mean, it's also amazing and awesome that there are places that are like... That you can disappear. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that they're so close to, you know, other things. But... I like this theory because it is uh, like a picnic at Hanging Rock theory. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that. the idea. It feels very Twin Peaks to just be like suddenly like, boink, you're underground. You're nine feet underground. <laughs> like um, you're just and you're there. And it's like just a clean jump down to this other reality. Um, yeah. yeah. This is it's weird because it, so it is a popular conspiracy theory as far as I can tell in this very niche circle wow, of it's David Paulides fans. <laughs> um I mean, well, first of all, when we got this call, we intended to answer it last week, but I think quantum randomness it breaks my brain. And I'm sure that that's not a totally uncommon feeling when you're trying to well, understand think, quantum physics. I think a lot of really advanced science you, it's so intimidating. Theory. Yes, exactly. But it's also like it, some of it sounds so insane that you're like, how is that real? And it's, it's that's what's so cool. About I mean, it. it's when you start thinking about quantum randomness as having to do with subatomic particles, all of a sudden your brain, your brain kind of walks out the door, you know, right. and doesn't want to hear any more about that. No, our brains um, want to hear more. We well, just want someone who really understands it to explain, to explain it. To explain it. it. Guys, I, what if I yeah. find a great PBS documentary ah, about it? Or you could go to askamathematician.com if you wanted to learn a little bit about it. Or you could uh, read and like you a would, Brian Green book or something. You could. Which I did and have, have since lost like all that information. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's it's hard to retain because you can't apply it to many things right. until you come across the articles about disappearing in national parks. The problem with with uh, quantum mechanics is that it's only like you know the the evidence of it working at anything above that subatomic level is very small. Like there's not a lot of information about that. So, but trying trying to find the link is 
Right, because if it were real, we would have Star Trek holodecks by now. Exactly. I mean, I think what was interesting about this call and then kind of looking into the theories that go along with it um, are there are these people who are like fervently certain that this, you know, there are wormholes in national parks. And I'm very interested in the fact that those people believe this um, because it's not, you know, why not? Why not entertain it? But um, the guy, David Paulides, um, he writes a series of books called Missing 411. And he's also he's a cryptozoologist, our fave, who yeah. claims to have an investigative and law enforcement background. But that's hard to verify. Um, but the National Park Service doesn't keep track of people who go missing. And it's something that has been, you know, frustrating even to sort of realistic uh, skeptics. Well, hey. Yeah. You know what I just realized? What? It's the 20-year anniversary of the Blair Witch Project. Today? Just now, in, like, general. Oh, (laughs) Just, um... Yeah. I feel like that is one of the scariest things, is the idea that you go in nature and just disappear. And just get lost. on this blog post that I found about Polides and this theory in general, um... He apparently went on Coast to Coast AM to talk about this. Um, of course. I think that when, when, when would this have been? This post is from 2015. So sometime around then. And uh, it says, in his books and in, in interviews, Polides does give some possible reasons for the disappearances. On a recent appearance on the radio show Coast to Coast AM, Polides listed some ideas, such as Sasquatch, large birds and extraterrestrials, but he also mentioned demons as a possible cause, which goes along with the belief in the Philippines that the jinn or demons are responsible for abductions. So there's a, yes. just a wealth of possibilities here, ranging from quantum randomness to demons. So whatever yeah, your like favorite quantum... flavor is. <laughs> well, there's that, I think it's an Arthur C. Clarke quote that's like any significantly advanced science technology is from, from magic. technology and distinguishable magic. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Some of that stuff. That's what's so cool about it is you're like, it is, it's just, it's, it's magic and yeah. Ma- yeah. maybe it's maybe possible. Maybe it's real. <laughs> I think about um, that quote all the time and I always think about like what right now feels, because it always is changing, of course, like what feels like magic versus what feels totally mundane and explainable at this point. Like, you know, there was a time when iPhones felt like magic and now whatever, they're like sources of stress and uh I and, always and sources of horns. Source of sources of skull horns and uh <laughs> but what what feels what feels magic to you guys right now technology wise? You know, we talked about the star holograms before and I've generally been against them, but I just saw a flyer for a Dio hologram. <laughs> and I was like, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's holograms good. seem retro to me. Yeah, they don't seem. Mm. There's nothing futuristic. It's just seeming. Pepper's ghost. It's, What's yeah. futuristic? You're right. You're right. I don't know. It's hard. I I feel like right now, just because of the overwhelming depressive news that it's so relentless, it's really hard to find things that inspire the kind of ooh magic like I I just don't see those things anymore and it's kind of lame um I remember like back in I don't even know 2012 or something um I got sent as a sponsorship like content to review for Grantland this thing that you plugged like a USB port that would make a bacon smell (laughs) and I was like wow (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> the future. <laughs> How cool. That is cool. And then there was, you know, um, popularized a while ago for a brief moment, the magic berries that you eat and they oh, make right. things taste different. Like those things seem magical. But beyond <laughs> that, there's not much. Like right now, I just look around. And I'm like, everything's just was not it just magic bacon? It was. This was a branded bacon USB thing. I wish that I there like was a USB smells. Yeah. Oh well, I wish there was a thing where you could um, like transmit smells with like a like a little yes. widget or something on your phone. Like you. Could... That's a big casino thing, and mm-hmm. I do I do feel like there's so many opportunities. Yeah. I mean, the whole the the response that you get to a smell. I mean, maybe what we're missing now is people taking advantage of more kind of tactile or like sensual mm. feelings DJ Dodger Stadium um, who are now known as DJ DS because mm-hmm. uh, uh-huh. Dodger Stadium uh, has a litigious team yes um, they made an incense <laughs> I didn't know that's why that happened that's yeah yeah of they course made, litigious. they made an incense that's really good what um, is good. it it smells it's like the it just smells like fresh it's very Incense is hard because most incense just smells like incense. Yes. You know, no matter me, the flavor. Right, it makes me nostalgic for a specific thing. This is a, like a good, it smells very good. I like it. I think we what should, should have. the night call smell be? If, yeah. If there's any listeners right now who are like super smellers or work in the fragrance industry, I would love to have somebody come on the podcast because I have so many questions. I like, I was waiting in line to pick up a package at the drugstore because I pick up packages at a place that does 10 things in addition to packages because that's New York, baby. Uh, and, there was, <laughs> and they also sell like discount perfumes. So there was uh, th- like they had all of the old like Justin Bieber fragr- fragrances. Like there was a Justin Bieber fragrance called Justin Bieber's Girlfriend that uh, <laughs> from like 24, maybe 2013 or something. I can't remember. Maybe it was earlier than that. Back when magic existed. Yeah, uh-huh. but I'm like, I, like I always, I always think about those celebrity fragrances and like, uh, yeah, casino fragrances and like what, how fragrances mean, I guess. Uh, you should definitely think about what the Nightcall fragrance would be. Yeah. Well, somehow we got, um, we got to fragrances from disappearances well, at the park. I have a but, good, I have a segue, which is that, there was a perfume at the UFO convention. Oh, oh, yes. That was supposed to smell like an alien abduction. What did it smell like? Well, I didn't smell it, but my friend has bought it because um, apparently it was the guy told her that they made one based on people's recollections of what <gasps> the abduction smelled like. Mm-hmm. And then when they made the first batch, it smelled so bad. <laughs> so, I mean, you would imagine it wouldn't smell good. They made a secondary batch. Um, she says it does not. It does not smell good per se. Yeah, but maybe it is accurate. Is it called OFO? I'm sorry. I'm so. <laughs> I have so many puns today. It's insane. Um, well, Molly, you went to Alien Con in Los Angeles this past weekend, which I am so jealous about. Uh, which is, it seems like half sciency and then half kind of like freestyle. Which Correct. is a good, I think, a good combo. Yes. I was a little worried because when I walked in, I saw that it was had some real sponsors. I thought, I hope, I hope this is still a bunch of weirdos. And boy, was it! <laughs> uh, it was all weirdos. Um, it's put on by the History Channel was a big sponsor, okay. and so there were people from Ancient Aliens. Yeah, I saw a I lot do, of Ancient Aliens programming. I on do the schedule. want to express, I do not 
believe in ancient aliens. But they're so fun. It's like no, the but most here's fun. what is they're bad. They're bad. <laughs> Tell us more. Here's why the ancient okay. aliens are bad. Okay. Because it's always just like some non-Western civilization made yep. some amazing thing and they're like, oh, how it's did true. they make the pyramids? We don't know. Therefore, aliens. Mm-hmm. It's all ancient Egyptian stuff, like Mayan temples, literally anything that wasn't made by like Europeans. They're like aliens only explanation. Right. That's, that's why it's bad. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's very fair. But um, it was a lot of like, there was like ancient aliens themed rock music. Somebody had an album. Really? There there was a lot of like CBD stuff. Yeah, that was a weird overlap. The Venn diagram of yeah. the the UFOs and the CBDs. Let's CBD is in, in, the incense of now. It's like the Nag yes. Champa of the twenty teens. Yeah. I think it was like a CBD energy drink. Sure, uh, that seems oxymoronic. <laughs> Maybe Doesn't it was a it? sleepy drink. Yeah, sleepy drink. <laughs> like um, dream water. And there were some like YA and fantasy novels for sale also about mm-hmm. aliens, well, people interacting with aliens. Yeah. yeah. That sounds um, so fun. Wait, what so what did you see? Like what did fun. you go to any panels or anything like I that? I went to the I saw the end of a panel that my friend Anne was interested in that was about uh something called Nightcrawler Ranch. What's that? No, it's not Nightcrawler, it's Skinwalker. <laughs> <laughs> That's Skinwalker Ranch. Uh Skinwalker Ranch, which is, it a- is a site. Sounds in like a Utah. porn studio for yeah yeah like, yeah. yeah. Well, I Ranch. don't. I, I think it's a joke on Skywalker Ranch, but it's a part of Utah that apparently there are a lot of Native American legends about there being skinwalkers there. Um, mm. But then it was also a big navy or something site. Some what kind is of a like, skinwalker? What is a skinwalker? Let's, I'm sorry, I'm uninitiated into the well, skinwalker Well, that was thing. because you may remember you refused to be involved in the X Files fandom with me. <laughs> I, I had better things to do during um, my free period. You would have obviously known. I left for the juggling um, club. Oh my god! Uh, a skinwalker is a Navajo uh, concept for a type of harmful witch who has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise themselves as an animal. It's like a shapeshifter. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, yeah. shapeshifter. Nice. It's super cool. It's like a warg um, in Game of Thrones. Yeah, and they appear, I think it's usually like it tends to be a coyote, huh? Hmm. Um, which I like because I feel like coyotes appear at weird times. They the do. idea that coyotes are, but then this is wrapped up with alien stuff. I think because there's also kind of like mysterious government, air force type stuff in this area. Mm-hmm. So there's these guys who do something where they like go with ghost machines or something. <laughs> To the area. Uh-huh. They were all wearing Checks a lot of out. Indiana Good. Jones hats. Um, but yeah, mostly the, the action was in the hall, the main, the hall where you could see. This was at the convention center? It was at the convention center. Um, Very strange place, the convention a center. super strange place. And the arena was only, like, the thing itself, they had only filled up about Do half like the half space it, with yeah. booths, mm-hmm. which was great because the last time I went to a convention, it was the anime convention. Um, I went to the anime convention there twice, and the first time it was fun, and the second time it was like so crowded it was not fun, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It was like impossible to move, and this was like a chill-ass convention. You know, there were some people, there was one woman dressed as the three-breasted alien from Total Recall. Totally. Yeah, I nice. saw they had a cosplay competition there. Yeah, Which there is, were some yeah. just like lowbrow art stuff, like your kind of classic L.A. garbage art mm-hmm. where it's like Illuminati Pyramid and <laughs> Elvis uh, and aliens also. Um, but yeah, I recommend Alien Con. They're going to be in uh, Dallas this fall. They're doing yeah. an Alien Con in Dallas. Maybe we should They're go. Also like, yeah, they also have like tarot readers, you know, and... 
it, it was just like a, it was fun. Um, I learned a How lot. How seriously did it take itself? I mean, I didn't get in any conversations with anybody about it. This so is what I, I would want to know, because looking at it, it seemed as though it was a very lighthearted. It was lighthearted. Yeah. It was like a Hollywood alien convention. It was like also, you know, Star Trek stuff and right. like Star Wars stuff. Um, there was one really weird thing that I was interested in that seemed like something Emily would love called the Ark. That was like, it was just like a like a triangular pyramid uh, kind of thing that you sit in, and it just was like ascend, <laughs> and that's it. That's, it said, ex- did it make was you it a did sound it go up and down like a tiny little? I don't elevator? know. It said experience coherence. It's like, <laughs> it's, I can't believe you I didn't wish. do this. <laughs> it's like the te- it's like a tent with no fabric on it. Okay. It's just like the outline of a tent, just but yeah. it's the, like a little the pyramid. Okay, yeah, and you sit in it, and it says discover vitality. Were they selling something? Yeah, but I don't know what. That was the thing, too, is I, like, couldn't figure it out at all. Sounds like <laughs> the perfect brand activation. Yeah. <laughs> Do it not know like, what it's it, for. <laughs> it didn't know what it was for. I didn't know what you were supposed to do with it, but it was just, like, discover vitality. Did you see William Shatner there? No. He's, like, the big celebrity that they were, like, promoing there. Advertising. Which really yeah. tells you everything you need to know, I feel like. But... Yeah, I mean, in terms of sci-fi conventions, it was very chill. It was like, um, you know, there were kids. It was like a relaxed cosplay atmosphere. That sounds um, great. Yeah, it was great. So I will definitely go back and we should definitely all go. Yeah. And I got you guys something <laughs> that I will present you with at the next live show. Oh, hooray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it would suspense. <laughs> um, guys, I think that we would be really neglecting our duty as official science reporters if we didn't briefly discuss the fox-like cat or cat-like fox, depending on what how you're feeling, uh, that was discovered in Corsica. I love this thing. However you might feel about the buttworm. <laughs> <laughs> the eye buttworm. The eye buttworm. I think everyone can agree that the cat fox... Is cutest idea. Cute. What what is the deal with the cat fox exactly? They found this cat. It's a fox. It, it's a fox that looks like a cat. It's a fox that looks like a cat, and it has little pointy teeth and yeah. a, a grumpy disposition. They yeah. say, and it's a new species. I'm watching n- this video right now. It's a new species. It's not just a fox that happened to come out looking like a cat. Yeah, they say it's like an ancient wild cat, possibly. Okay. But it is a heretofore. There's 16 of them in Corsica. Yes. Although the first cat foxes were captured in 2016 nonviolently, <laughs> rangers say secondhand tales of the forest animal have circulated around the island for generations. They're very cute. They're so cute. <laughs> They're a Pikachu. Yeah. Like, are they like um, Eevees, kind of? Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you guys a question real quick? Oh, yeah. Sure. What would you shapeshift into if you were a shapeshifter? What animal? Dang, that's a good one. I I have to say I I don't it, it's probably a fox, not to be like too on the nose, but like nothing looks cozier than a fox in hibernation. Like it just seems like the <laughs> nicest place to be and like creature to be. Um yeah, any hibernating animal seems chill. I'd be a whale. A whale. I would. I'd be a whale. Go on. What kind? Uh, it's just any kind of whale. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to be a whale, to be honest. I mean, other than the threat <laughs> to whales, 
the idea of experiencing like pretty much the opposite life of my life. I'm in a different realm. I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm in the same, but I'm time smart. Differently. I'm sure. Yeah, you experience time differently. You get to live for a super long time. I'd be really bummed if I shapeshifted into something like a mayfly and then it was just over for me. Right. I couldn't go back. I died. You know, I just picked what the wrong thing. What if it's like quantum thing. shapeshifting? Quantum you shapeshifting. keep going each time. I'd still want to be a whale. I'm very interested in how whales communicate. I like their family structure. I'm into it. Pod That's a great answer. I don't even think. I think it would be like great living answer. my life similarly to now, but under the sea. Uh, what about you, Molly? I mean, I was going to say red panda, but now I'm thinking about the ocean again. Yeah, you so. got you open it up and you're like, wait a second. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I have always wanted to live under the sea. Maybe I'll be the buttworm. <laughs> <laughs> Newly discovered. Newly discovered Molly buttworm. Um, ancient. So we were going to take a night call. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the buttworm, but I do, I do respect all the creatures. <laughs> Including the bow. <laughs> that was a quick reversal. <laughs> yeah, we got a call about uh, going off of our conversation about alternate housing. So uh, let's cue it up. So I was listening to your recent episode about the, uh, or you mentioned the Florida dome houses. And you should look up the island where I grew up. Sullivan's Island has some crazy houses. Um, a guy, he built one for himself, and I think the other one was for his son or daughter, but they're supposedly hurricane-proof concrete dome houses. They're pretty crazy looking. Everyone calls them the egg houses. Uh, those are cool, and because it's right off of where all the Civil War started and all that bullshit, and there's forts, there's old, like, battery hills bunkers sort of that the government sold off so people own them and live in them or well like there's one that has like a trailer plunked on top and then this 10,000 square foot giant open bunker it's basically just a hill that is underneath I don't know what's going on in all of them one was a guy who was in a death metal band and gave guitar lessons from it. And I went on a tour with him and it was incredibly scary because it's, I didn't know the guy, come see my bunker. 16 year old girls make very bad decisions, but crazy houses there. It's Sullivan's Island, South Carolina. The island is basically a sand dune. So all that stuff's going to be gone real soon, I'm sure. But uh, check them out. Nice. This is Sullivan's Island in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, it, it's a bummer that all these weird, goofy architectural experiments are all in places that are going to be gone because of global warming. I know. Like, well, this one should be destroyed. <laughs> you hate it? <laughs> no, no. It's evil and haunted. It was like the... Which uh, one? Wait, there's there's so- several, but are you talking about the eye of the storm? Which Sullivan's Island are we talking about? The one in South in Charleston. Carolina. In Charleston. Charleston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a bad place. It was like the place they brought all the slaves to. Oh, wow. It was described as like the Ellis Island of slavery. It was like wait, what? This one was built in like 1992. Yeah, it's like a it's like an egg. It looks like an egg. It looks, it looks like, like a this. UFO. Oh. What am I talking about? I don't know. Uh, it's just a house. No, there's no, like several. There, I think 
There are several, but I think they were built in like the 90s. Yeah. Oh, weird. Well, that is what Sullivan's Island is originally. <laughs> yeah. This So this Sullivan's Island may have like a terrible history, but these houses are dope, I must say, <laughs> because I'm looking at one there. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to live in it. And it's and it's very there. Are, I guess like over they're super, super, super heavy. There's an article. CNBC had an article from 2018. Take a look inside Charleston's weirdest mansion. It's five million dollars and it's hurricane proof. Yeah, that's the which whole will theme. not help when it's underwater. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I, that's beside the point. I like looked up Sullivan's Island because they went there on Southern Charm. Which oh yeah, is the Bravo oh. show uh, that takes place in Charleston, and they portrayed it as like just a beautiful vacation place to hang out. And then I looked it up and found out it had all this slavery history that they didn't get into oh, yeah. at all on the show. Oh. Uh, so probably that's a lot of the South. Yeah. It is a lot of the South. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I don't know I about I don't I don't know about like living in a, a civil war bunker. Like that's yeah. that's not uh, I don't know I don't know if that's a lifestyle I I necessarily would be into. That's not what I want. I have seen, I saw some super weird Civil War, I think, era forts and stuff in Florida Mm -hmm. uh that were really crazy and weird. Um, But I don't think anybody lived in them. They were just in a national park. The Eye of the Storm has an elevator and a bank vault room and it's like the one that looks like an air traffic control, yeah, I, right? Yeah. Is it's the one, it, I don't know, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It looks like a mushroom, kind of, like oh. a giant marshmallow. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of, because there's another thing on Sullivan's Island that looks like an air traffic control tower. Oh. Um, that I think must be a lighthouse. Did you but guys could... see that uh, article that was about all the people who built their dream houses, all the boomers who built their dream houses that they can't sell now because they're so giant and expensive and weird? I did read that. Well, <laughs> I, I have like a real bone to pick about McMansions as everyone, I think, many people in L.A. have. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about the Gilded Age and that was actually like my favorite part of the mm-hmm, documentary mm-hmm. was how, who was it, a Vanderbilt uh, and she yeah. made her, like, ostentatious mansion with the sculptures. And I was like, isn't it funny how you're like, wow, I'm being so crazy. And, it, you know, everyone will be so uh-huh. offended by the nudity. And it's like, maybe people are just offended at how grossly rich yeah. you are when everyone else is poor. <laughs> maybe you just have bad taste. Yeah. Like, but it's really, I mean, it's, it is it is interesting to see these, like, weird custom houses that are so gigantic and tailored to one person's particular taste and it's like yeah you can't move those things one developer who i won't name so we don't get sued on the podcast Mm -hmm. uh who's a big la developer just got in trouble because he like put an illegal third story on his mansion to try and make it the biggest one ever yeah um and then he got in trouble and he had to do community service and he sent his bodyguard to do the community service. no get out (laughs) um but they were like you can't build a third story on this house because it will fall down the hill right um so I think a lot yeah. of uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> Treading well, into I was muddy water. Say, like about living in a place that has a horrible history, which is, I guess, the other half of the Sullivan Island house thing. I was talking about this. Like, this is obviously something we talked about before with regard to haunted houses. And I was talking to somebody about like living in a in a place that you knew somebody got murdered or that some other kind of like horrible thing happened and like try and trying to think of it in a way like I I don't know that I could do this but it seems like an admirable kind of like 
way to see it, which is like you you can replace their energy with your energy <laughs> if you want. That's like, hubris. I don't know. I, Can you? Um, but it's just it's all human energy, right? Like what makes one dude who lives in, lived in the 50s and like killed his family a stronger person than you? I think the you theory know? is that he was be, he was possessed by a supernatural mm. energy, mm-hmm. like a demonic well, energy. Well, maybe I am too. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just trying to find a way to buy the haunted house. Well, yeah, I, I think like what we are leading towards is that we want to be put into a, the haunting type challenge where we have to spend the night in a haunted house and if we spend the night successfully we own the house and it's the Nikal house. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't. You guys play so fast and loose sometimes with no. the satanic stuff. Yeah. It's not that we're playing fast and loose. I agree with Emily. It's that you can't just be like, I think this in general is that if you just feel you like every the murderers have bad, the haunted house. Right. Yeah. If you feel yeah. like let the bad people have America, which they obviously do right now. Mm-hmm. If you're like, there's nothing we can do about it because it's all so bad. You have to have a little. Yeah. It's true. It's true. You have to. Well, have this a is hutzpah. a perfect segue for us to bring up the Night Call Book Club. Oh yeah, which we are in the middle of right now. We have picked our second book. Um, we we announced it at the end of the last book club podcast. But if you haven't joined our Patreon at the five dollar level and up, um, now's the time to do so because we are reading Ghostland: An American History of Haunted Places by Colin Dickey. Uh, and it is all about haunted places, haunted houses, haunted cemeteries, haunted parks, um, a- everything, and how all America is just haunted, uh, which is what I feel like we talk about all the time here, anyway. Uh, and that it, I'm 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 well into it now, and I'm really enjoying it. So we're going to be having a podcast, uh, our, uh, an exclusive to Patreon subscribers podcast that'll come out on the 15th of July. So if you join before then, you will get in on that. And if you're reading it and you have any thoughts about the book, please leave them on our socials, on our Patreon page, wherever. Or give us a night call, as always, yeah. at 24046night or a night email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on social media, Twitter at nightcallpod, Instagram at nightcallpodcast, or Facebook at nightcallpodcast. And as we were saying, join our Patreon. Many things coming. There's going to be a July mix coming out. And a mm-hmm. newsletter. And a newsletter um, that will contain the mix. And um, more book club stuff. And also check out Valley of the Dolls if you haven't yet. It was a good podcast. Oh, yeah. It was so fun. It was, it was really fun. The most fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing is that July we're going to be uh, – we're getting, we're getting ready to send out pins and s- schedule some super secret meetups for everybody at those uh, at those pledge levels so stay tuned for more news about that our first secret meetup is going to be in the los angeles area so if you are a 20 dollars <laughs> and up patreon supporter stay tuned to find out when that's going to be and we hope you can all make it awesome we will see you soon one other bit of housekeeping news we will be off next week for fourth of july it is belated because we live one week in the past here on night call but we'll be back after that with another podcast so we'll see you all then we'll be back with the midsummer special midsummer special for your midsummers see you then Bye. bye
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.